Hello and welcome to Sonic Talk number 424, recorded today the 28th of October. I guess it's kind of Halloween-y. We might slip a, a, a topic in or two. Who knows? Uh, I want to say thank you very much to everybody in the chat room. Once again, Fulsome um, in their hundreds, which is always nice to see. Let's see if we can break a record. So thanks very much for joining us. Uh, if you're wondering what on earth I'm talking about, maybe you listen to the MP3 version. We do stream this live as we record it. Uh, you can come and see it at 4 p.m. UK time on a Wednesday uh, at sonicstate.com forward slash live. And if you can't watch us live uh, and you've just happened across this from some random search on YouTube or whatever, why not subscribe? Because then you'll be know, you'll know when we're online. Uh, not only do we do this Sonic Talk uh, podcast, we also got a load of reviews and a lot of interesting stuff coming up as well. So they have got a lot of content to do with music technology, music production, all those kind of things. So if that's what you're interested in and not some... Uh, random keyword search that just threw this up and you're wondering what the heck I'm talking about, subscribe to the channel. Hell, subscribe to the channel anyway. It'll just keep the numbers up. Right, and let's say hello and welcome to our panel. Uh, oh, actually, before I do that, I should say thank you to our sponsors, Isotope, uh, who are sponsoring the show. Uh, if you want to find out what they're offering, they're actually giving away a copy of Break Tweaker, which is their sort of dynamic break engine, which is designed with BT. Uh, we'll have more on that later. And also we'll be announcing the winner of the competition from last week's show. So let's get on to our panel. Let's see. Where haven't we been for a little while? Uh, it's the old gang. We've got them all here. We've got Robbie Bronneman there, who's looking even more dastardly in his kind of... That's a high-back chair. Tell me it's a high-back chair and not uh, some sort of uh, acoustic screen baffling. I'd much prefer it if you could bring a cat in next time as well, Robbie. Robbie no, is... I'll make sure I bring a cat. My daughter's got a little cat that will be perfect. Yeah. Stuffed cat. Excellent. <laughs> Robbie is currently actually producing as we speak... I'm sure every yeah. time there's a downtime in the conversation, he's tweaking a hi-hat or something equally uh, equally useful. Uh, he's working on a project and his client allows him to uh, spend a little time with us every week, so, or when he can. Anyway, thank you very much, Robbie, for joining us. No problem. How's the progress? Yeah, it's good. I've spent the day getting sound, found sounds that I've recorded in the um, the swimming pool. There's a swimming pool barn here, converted barn swimming pool, so we've recorded a load of sounds in there. And I spent the whole day trying to find all the fundamentals and tuning them so I could actually play them as tuned instruments. So it's been, it's been a fun day today. That sounds a very investigative. Yeah, it is, yeah. Anyway, well, that sounds like the sort of thing that one does when one is producing. So, uh, yeah, thank yeah, you very exactly. much for joining us. Uh, I'm sure your ears probably could do with a break, though. So uh, while you, you could listen to this scratchy Skype audio instead. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Sound. Oh, good. Excellent. And let's go over to Bristol where we have Mr. Gaz Williams, a bass player, producer, music technologist, and all man about town. Uh, how are you, Gaz? Great. Wow. What is that? Is that new? Uh, I don't know what that means. It's like the greatest computer game probably of all time. 1980s, 1984. It's, it's, well, it's just gone past its 30th anniversary and it's just come out now on the Xbox One like a remake of it. Well, it's kind of like a remake. And it's space. It's the whole of the Milky Way, 400 billion space station, uh, uh, space system, um, star systems. And you can just go and explore in your little craft and do whatever you want to do. And it's, uh, and it's a full mathematical model of the whole universe. Oh, wow, that's ambitious. Yeah, it's amazing. And But the amazing thing is, is that's what came out in the 1980s, in 1984, elite you know it's like this i was trying to think it's like a seismic shift you know in the 1960s when the beatles brought out revolver and the song tomorrow never knows bang massive kind of move of music 
it's evolution of music. It was like that computer games, 1984. Elite. Wow. Okay. Uh, and it's sort of kind of spotty Cambridge brain boxes, you know, <laughs> working on a working on a on a on a on a simulation of space and the fact that you can go and have adventures. But now, thirty years into the future, you know, we've got it it's all multiplayer, you know, so yeah. you can it's like real humans. But I'm Commander Binbago. So if anyone wants to kind of join a <laughs> wing <laughs> they have to come and find you somewhere in the universe. Sorry, Lick, because I want to find people to fly in a wing with in, 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 in Elite. So, okay. Uh, yeah. I'm going to, uh, I, I, for some reason, I've uh, I've latched on and typed down spotty Cambridge brain boxes. I like that phrase. That's got a good uh, a good ring to it. Anyway, Gaz, thank you very much for joining us and tearing yourself away from those magnificent 8-bit graphics. And let's, well, we'll go round. We'll go, we'll go clockwise. Um, Dave, uh, not Dave, that's Rich Hilton. Rich Hilton's over there as well. He's uh, Rich Hilton, of course, sheet keyboard player, uh, worked with Noel Rogers in the studio, one of the, uh, probably the finest jobs in the industry. I would imagine. How are you, Rich? I'm really good, thank you. Oh, you're sounding good. Very radio, as we uh, as we say, with your lovely mic there. Do remind us what that mic is, because it just does wonders for your voice. Not that you don't this sound like a, this normally, of course. This is, what is this, like a 25-year-old CAD uh, E200, I believe it is. Yeah, very nice. It's a large diaphragm condenser mic. It's interesting, because it actually sounds like a dynamic in a good way. It's got that woody quality, which uh, condensers sometimes don't have so much. Anyway, well, anyway, Rich, thank you very much for joining us. Uh, very pleased to have you aboard. And finally, and not not leastly, but there in his uh, Synth Cave, as uh, Synth Cave version two, Dave Spears from G4 Software, where when he's not playing with real synths, he's actually making um, virtual synthesizers and software instruments for G4 Software. How are you, Dave? I'm all right, thank you. Yeah, thank you. Excellent. I'm glad to hear that. Um, there was something else I was going to say, but I can't. Oh, yeah. Somebody wanted to know what your webcam was because they thought you looked particularly detailed today, which you are looking very HD. Is that the... It's a new Logitech. Well, I think it's an old Logitech. 960, is it? 960, 910 or 920, possibly. We had one of those here. I used to use it. But yeah, they're good. Oh, hang on. Yeah, yeah, no, I like it. I mean, I was running it off of the... You know, I've done all previous podcasts on the uh, uh, the laptop Mac Pro, yeah. yeah, which I didn't, you know, I didn't like. So yeah, Room two point camera two point <laughs> yeah, step up for exactly. everything apart from the webcam, which is actually a downgrade in terms of the current model, but uh, an upgrade anyway. I know what I'm saying; it doesn't really matter. It's kind of irrelevant anyway. I also want to say thank you very much to the chat room as we do. Let's get straight in there. I think I'm going to start with. Um, this one, because this sounds kind of interesting, and then we might jump around a bit. It might not be in the order you expect, so I'm going to keep you on your toes. This is the latest uh, bit of news from Zanaptic, who make kind of magic software that does things that make you think they're a bit like Melodyne and Celemony, where you just go, no, that's not possible, surely. This is... Uh... So basically, the principle behind this is stereo mix, turn the drums up and down, essentially. Let me see if I can find this. Here's one example. I think one of the ones near the end is actually particularly good as well. What's this one? Oh, that's a three-level Gui. That's not it. I've gone too far. 
I think it was this one. And though you can tighten up acoustic drum tracks, it goes a bit far with this, but I guess if you bust that, you'd have transients that you could use. Oh, I've jumped around all over the place now. I'm ruining it. Ah, right, here we go. Just bringing the drums forward. Interesting concept. I mean, I know Zenaptic have done other things. They do D-reverb. They do... Do they do a match EQ? They do some very interesting uh, other um, uh, plugins that do lots of really sort of fascinating DSP-based stuff. I'm guessing this is probably going to appeal... Well, I don't know. Does it or not? Uh, Rich, have you got any um, Zenaptic stuff in your arsenal, as it were? As it happens, no, but it's just because I've not needed it. I've recommended it to people who have it and use it, so I'm really intrigued by what they do. So the fact that I don't have any really shouldn't sound like a harbinger or anything like that. It's just that I haven't needed anything specific that they do yet. I think they're Swiss, if I remember correctly, and the guy behind it. Well, the first thing perhaps we looked at was, was it one that that, uh, that just took the reverb away? And this is kind of before uh isotope did their uh later version of rx they kind of came out with it and it was a bit mind-blowing i don't know do you remember that robbie was it a de-reverber reverber you know you know what i, what I said what I, I, don't remember. I remember i remember morph because this company oh came yes out that's that right company, this company came out of the other company what were they called Pres, presonic or something prosonic presonic yeah oh, okay. prosonic yeah that was right yeah they um they had a few plugins i used to use um, and I think the Morph one got bought into this company's Anaptic, and I think that was the first thing. But I've used that before. Interesting. But I kind of do all that stuff on the iPad now. But, yeah, no, this 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 is really interesting to me, um, <clears throat> totally, because um, I'm working, obviously, a lot in this project with real drums. So um, it's always good to be able to get in there after the event if you need to. And it's obviously very hard to do that normally. So, I mean, I like all these kind of tools. I use the Transient you know, the transient designer, the one that SPL do that's on the UAE. Oh, yeah, yep. Use that for years for bringing out a bit of smack and stuff in things. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm well up for this. I'm going to definitely go and give this a try. I think so it could be quite interesting for processing existing like beatboxes and things that have a specific sound. You can mangle them a bit more or change the transient stuff. No, I notice you're nodding away there, Gaz. Yeah, well, I mean, from a mastering point of view, this is dynamite, isn't it? You, yeah. know, you know, absolutely, because, you know, that's it's like a magic tool that if people you know providing not too many people know about it people will be blown away you yeah know? i think some of those examples were a bit heavy-handed weren't they i'm sure there's lots of stuff in trying to, but if you used it in a mastering sense and just used it in a small amount blimey i think it's incredible i think um i think yeah wow that's exactly the kind of tool that i'm interested in and i mean and really it, it is just a sort of like uh, ah that's not the right button sorry about that that was the wrong button. i was just going to the web you can carry on talking guys i've just rudely interrupted you yeah, with the wrong like button press <laughs> that's it's it sort of uber transient designer in a way i guess isn't it that's what i was thinking it must work on similar principles i guess um just yeah i noticed that some of that stuff the uh, you didn't get those kind of reverb tail artifacts that you would expect so much i mean but i guess they would choose those wisely but it might be that you can pull that stuff around i know dave you're uh you're a soft you, you we, I, I think you're right robbie it was morph wasn't it remember it's that stuff that did these yeah. really terrifying animal well. they did what orange vocoder ah okay yes that's, 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 
They did it. Yes, that's right. The vocoder was kind of, I, I think I saw that at uh, Mesa where they showed me the two tracks, but you could almost vocode stroke morph. Got any room in your life for this? I think this could sound kind of good, maybe on all sorts of percussive bass stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Two things struck me. One, as a drummer, having the drums too loud is a bit of an oxymoron, really, within a track. And I'm always guilty of that. And when I play mixes to people, they go, drums could do it coming down a bit. So something like this, just to put it, you know, because I'm always worried about losing the energy. Whereas actually, if you just put this over the track and tweak it a little would be really handy. But the other thing is it gave me an idea for another plugin, which was to um, that you could rename letters in incorrectly spelt words. So the Q in Zonaptic would become C again. And the K in Reactor would become C again. Anyway, yeah, there you go. <laughs> that sounds like an app for yeah. That sounds like it sounds like one of those Google apps where you point at road signs and it translates them into uh, into the language that you want to see it in. I think there was a recent uh, uh, image which really just just says it all. There's a phone, a Russian sign, and then what it says on the phone. You know, maybe there's something some co- combination of that. A good use of that sort of technology, <laughs> right? Yeah, the, you could call it uh, the pedants punctuator or something like that, couldn't you? Yeah. <laughs> Well, you can just... obviously, we'd have to start with one of our own. Certainly, Mini Monster, who would have to be an ER on the end. Yeah, anyway, yeah. no, that's true. Yeah, you want, you want to be careful what you wish for there, Dave. <laughs> no, very useful. I think this could be very, very useful. It's, uh, by the looks of it, it's available for Mac, uh, audio units, AAX, RTAS, VST, and the Windows. Uh, I think it's US dollars, 189 bucks, euros, 199. I mean, as with a lot of these things that are specialised, but kind of quite magical, they, that, you know, they're not the problem. I don't know if that seems like a lot or not. I really have no idea whether that's expensive. I've just got no idea. I mean, I don't really... I think, I think for a tool that's pretty exclusively does that job. I mean, it's like things like, you know, Sound Radix have the drum, the drum leveller tool, which is pretty much in its own class. And if you need those kind of jobs doing, they're you know, this is a perfect they're perfect examples, aren't they, of how, how computer technology and DSP allows us to do things we never dreamed of doing. You know, they're kind of like you say, the magic tools. So, you know, you can't really put a price on that. Yeah. Excellent. That's a quote that's a quote they should use when they when they advertise on the podcast, which clearly they will now. Yeah. yeah. It, it made me yeah. think if you take technology, you know, and, and in the future the way things you know, absorb all developments into future things. This won't be such a big deal. It'll, you know, now it exists in the real world, you know. So there'll be a time where people will have apps on their phone where they can just remix their, you know. Their environment. Didn't we see that? There was something recently that we saw that had that real-time processing concept, turn the bass down or whatever. I can't oh, remember. Those earphones, wasn't it? Those in-ears you could get. Yeah, something like that. that it was real- a kickstart with in-ears that put an environmental... Yeah. That's around what you listen yeah, to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you're probably right. I mean, it'll probably end up as uh, just a single knob in GarageBand, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, one of these days, I'm sure, after they've yeah. sold out to Apple for a massive kind of retirement funding um, uh, amount, you know, just like we're going to. Um, right, what's next? Ah, yes, what's the time? Have we got, have we got time? Yes, I'm... Yeah, let's do this. This was uh, um, a... drums. This is another one that was uh, quite a good news story, I think. This is called the ACPAD, or AC-PAD. And it's a sort of stick-on controller. Very thick. It's, like the, it's basically the same sort of thickness as a, a scratch guard. 
I'm Robin Zucoso. I'm the inventor of Eggpad, percussive guitar player and electronic musician. Eggpad is a new revolutionary approach to playing music. They all it are. combines acoustic and electronic music. Yeah. It brings sounds and effects right into so your essentially, hands. Right. I, I mean, it's essentially a, a, an integrated um, a MIDI control panel. I think it has a little USB. Uh, oh, is it Bluetooth? I forget now. I think it's basically wireless. Uh, and it allows you to transmit MIDI and obviously program it up. I think he uses it quite a lot with live. Actually, Robinson Crusoe, I think we covered this maybe three, four years ago where he just did a performance and it was kind of interesting. And obviously he strikes me as the the kind of wandering minstrel kind of looper guy, maybe drives around Europe in a van and kind of does gigs, you know, the, the old school way. And it's great to see this because this is now a Kickstarter campaign. And honestly, when I looked, I thought it probably won't. And it's, it's, <laughs> it's basically, what's that? That's nearly... Uh, oh, that's a lot. Ten times more than yeah. Ten times, five times what he, what the goal is, and it's still got thirty six days to go. And that's just a really brilliant st- story. He basically, I think he went to to India to do some gigs there um, for the kind of uh, the chill out rooms and stuff in Goa and what have you. And then went, ended up with hooking up with these guys in Mumbai, who obviously said, "Yeah, let's do it." And it's just really good to see this massive sort of success. Uh, whether or not it's going to be a game changer, I don't know. I hate to use that word, but. It's an interesting idea, the way that you could join, because you can stick that onto any acoustic guitar. Obviously, uh, I don't know. what You're a guitarist and a MIDI person, Rich. How do you feel about this? I have mixed feelings about it, and here's how that goes. The guy on this shoulder with the halo <laughs> is really looking forward to being impressed by somebody who can actually operate this thing and play the guitar in an extremely musical way, and I'm sure that'll happen. And the guy over here with the uh, pitchfork uh, thinks that an acoustic guitar is plenty enough to do that you don't need other stuff to do. Right. So I'm of two minds on it. On the one hand, I really look forward to seeing somebody blow me away on it. And on the other hand, I think an, an acoustic guitar is in itself a complete experience, not requiring extra stuff to do. I think that's a fair point. I mean, I'm guessing this is appealing to maybe the kind of looper crowd who may, rather than have a load of stuff on the floor, hook it up to one single thing and, and that would, that would kind of do that. Uh, I, yeah. I know, Gaz, that, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not saying you're one of the loopers, but, you know, you have been known to loop. <laughs> I think this thing is brilliant, personally. And I, uh, I went to see John Gom play last week. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Mind-blowing. He's so good, and he's—you uh, should check him out, Rich. Just the, as a guitar, if you haven't heard him already, you know he plays guitar. He's bending his—he's bending his tuning forks, slapping, singing, doing lots of percussion. And someone like him, I could imagine it, it being amazing for. Although saying that, he is the complete—you know—he doesn't need anything else. Like backing up what Rich was saying. Uh, but this thing, I think, is brilliant, and I think it really is a very zeitgeisty kind of thing because I've been seeing more and more guitarists uh, playing, using the guitar essentially as a percuss- percussive design. Um, right, yeah. It's a, it's a thing, uh, isn't it? Percussive or acoustic yeah, player. Yeah, the Showhawk duo are incredible. They're an acoustic guitar duo, and they play, uh, they just do cover versions of 90s trance classics. You know, oh, like I think I've, yeah, I've seen them as well, yeah. Really good. So you know, you kind of think, oh, it's quite. I, I I like the convergence of those worlds. I think it's really exciting, and I think this is a a really slick design. I mean, they say that it, it'll peel off 
the guitar rather than rather any... than fall off yeah <laughs> <laughs> without leaving any residue so i was thinking wow okay that's interesting i mean you know because it's going to be receiving a lot of you know physical you know what? so it's so i'm not sure how how successful that sticky thing will work but i mean if that works well i think it's brilliant um you know i'm not sure a lot of people want to put it on their martins or sort of Gibsons yeah maybe or, you know, I, um, saying that, <clears throat> you know, you could put it on a cheap, a cheap acoustic guitar and, you know, and really go to town on the, uh, yeah. on the, on I know. the, the tech. But we saw a similar thing. Um, uh, what's his name? Um, Moldova did the guitar wing, which was, which just went on the bottom part of like a, a, a horn uh-huh. on an electric guitar. Um, ostensibly the same kind of thing although slight different design uh, uh yes uh I've got, i have an image here view image we bought one of those to put on a guitar same sort of thing yeah yeah that yeah. that thing yeah uh, yeah yeah that's not yeah no interesting similar similar kind of concept i guess yeah uh, yeah you know the wireless controller kind of for ableton live mostly not necessarily but just very easily yeah uh, i so, suppose yeah. i i think the thing the, the thing is I, i'm wondering it kind of looks like really they should go for the whole hog and figure out a way to stick it on make make something that will work on a, a regular guitar as well that won't get in the way of the knobs okay. yeah. uh, robbie you said you bought the uh the guitar wing i mean there's just some have some yeah. i guess acoustic stuff well, not we bought the guitar wing because we needed we were using the kx5s at the time and they just got no no control on them apart from pitch bend and stuff and how I wanted to start doing filters and all that sort of thing. But unfortunately, fate stepped in and all, all our KX5s in quick succession all died. So we moved over to the Korg Kitar, you know, the RK100, which has got two ribbons on it. So we can do all that kind of filtering stuff anyway now. Um, but, I, I mean, I know where Rich is coming from, but I think there's always going to be purists who want to use the guitar as a guitar, and there's always going to be people who want to push the limits of any instrument, whether it be people shoving all sorts of nonsense inside pianos and, you know, all that kind of thing. So I think there will be a a small group of people who will really be able to use this and use this to an incredible level. And there'll be some people who buy it and go, oh, this all seems like too much work. I'll just trigger a drum loop from it. Yeah. In which case, I might as well do it from anything. But But there will be some people, you know, who will get this and be absolutely amazing and do some really kind of out there things. Yeah, so. I mean, I, I think Robert, Robin Sucruso is is one of those guys. I mean, he's obviously he designed this workflow thing for his own thing, and somebody else has gone, yeah, that's a good idea. I know, Dave, I, I mean, I know you probably... Well, look, you could stick some things on the end cheek of that, uh, maybe get them to design something that would go on the end cheek of some of your synths, so that when you're, when you're like this, with your hand on the side of it, you can just kind of tap away at additional buttons. I don't know, what do you think? Same sort That'd of concept. Nice. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, definitely not. <laughs> I like this. I was I was a bit meh about the link that you sent us, the video on that, and then I went across to the Kickstarter site and I played that the video there. Oh, is it different? And that just made me kind of go, whoa, I like this a lot. I really like this. It sort of almost had that thing of, oh, what can I do with a gizmo? And, dude, I'm out of depth in a puddle on the guitar, but... It just, I don't know, the playing, I thought the playing was superb and the kind of, you know, the new and old tech vibe together just worked for me. I really liked it. And the, the guitarist there was doing some very cool stuff. So, yeah, 
the chat yeah. the I've chat sent, room i've already sent it to about three people actually ah thing. cool uh, the chat room has uh, some interesting uh, adoptions um what about left-handed guitar players that's a very valid point um so i i, I mean i'm guessing at this stage they just want to get going and they'll be you know it'll be a, a left-handed a, a right-handed version only but i think i think the well, they've uh, reached their limit haven't they they've reached their target massively so they might be able to offer a left-handed version off the bat as well yeah they might i don't know where uh, let's just have a look whether it's got any kind of because uh, they're sold out of uh the first one and uh let's have the first one and this, is it the second one? yeah they're doing pretty good in fact so they've had one backer who's going to spend four and a half thousand euros to get a bulk pad of 20 which actually is uh, ain't bad because then you get them for about 100 bucks each and you can flog them on <laughs> guessing ed that sheeran. ed sheeran could think, do with this to go with his old massive looper system yeah maybe so i mean i think that's that's the going to be the, the kind of market isn't it i mean i'm guessing you know ableton live type pre-made setups and mappings are going to be the thing for this and the price seems very reasonable although i suspect the price is reasonable because it's selling direct and i've seen this before where the kickstarter prices seems like yeah that's good but then if you're going to go out through distributors you need to make a markup and all the import and stuff it starts to creep up quite significantly and that tends to you know it's that flip between enough to fulfill this project or enough to kind of worldwide domination that's when you get these kind of uh, these discrepancies but i wish him the load of luck because i think that's an impressive number uh to to achieve i don't know i don't know when it only started on the 22nd of october i think i think it was the 22nd of october so that's that's that that smacks and he's not you know i don't think it's one of those uh kickstarter marketing i know everybody's ready just go here and make it look good i think they've actually you know done a pretty decent job sorry Uh, who's first right go on guys I saw it. I saw it a while ago. This thing, a few, at least a, maybe a, a more than a month ago, and and it was being it went viral a little bit. I think you know. So I think just sort of regular, not sort of music techie people were sharing it around, sort of Facebook. Yeah, and maybe that. that's it. So uh, so maybe that's helped. You know that they've actually had a bit of the social media um, because I think people. I think it's quite an exciting product. So I think that that's crossed over in that respect a little bit. You know, people, you know, and, and it is, yeah, as I say, I think it's a very exciting thing. Yeah, I think that's probably true. Okay, well, I think it's probably time now to uh, have a little word from our sponsors. Obviously, uh, this is where you get to hear what they're talking about and also to uh, enter the competition. So, uh, yeah, Brake Tweaker. This is designed by BT, uh, Brian Transo, and developed by Isotope. Brake Tweaker is not just a drum machine. It's a drum sculpting and beat sequencing environment that blurs the line between rhythm and melody. In fact, you don't have to just put loops and samples in there. You can put melodic phrases and all sorts of things and then munge them up in uh, all these kind of macro tweaking engines. You can use rhythmic slicing to drive everything from pitch melodic lines to sweeping rhythmic overtures and top it off with a comprehensive drum sample library curated by BT Isotope and other top producers and you can explore a new era of rhythmic possibilities with this forward thinking and forward sounding instrument as with all of the Isotope stuff go to isotope.com forward slash break tweaker in this case to check it out Uh, you get an an unlimited 10 day demo I believe obviously you won't get all the sounds with it but you'll be able to get a rough idea of how it works and uh, I thoroughly recommend it now of course uh, we've been running a competition and we're going to uh, start with the this week's competition uh, to enter, you need to be on uh, 
Twitter. Just need to tweet something. It's very simple. Uh, we're asking you to tweet the hashtag BeatFactory and the hashtag BreakTweaker to at SonicState and at Isotope Inc. Uh, if you do both of those two things, um, you've also got 140 characters left, so you could, in fact, add a picture and any other comments, if you like, uh, because it's always nice to see what people are uh, going to be uh, working on this with. Uh, if you've got a nifty studio room, whatever, just chuck it all in there and uh, you'll be entered into the competition. So for this week's competition, if you're listening in audio, I'll just say that again, the hashtag BeatFactory, one word, the hashtag BreakTweaker, one word, to at Sonic state and at isotope inc that's isotope with a z so please do join us and of course uh we've also got uh the winner from last week i want to congratulate matthew tyas whose twitter handle is uh now this is where i've done it again i made the font too small and the screen's too far away so this is called bobby bobby ritt uh, as in a double B, double T, Bobby Ritt, uh, uh, he's won and he's just said, I found what's missing, uh, Beat Sweet Break Tweakers at Sonic State Isotope Inc. And he did post a picture, which I haven't managed to figure out how to get onto the screen. But look it up. I'm sure you'll find it. Anyway, I want to say congratulations to Matthew. Um, do get in touch. The Isotope Fairy will then be able to uh, send you your copy of Break Tweaker. We thank Isotope for their continued sponsorship of the show. Okay, well, Halloween's coming up. And uh, there's this fun little, uh, there's a fun little um, item here. This is basically an app that allows you to play actually quite terrifying soundscapes and sound effects. Uh, presumably, if you stick this at the bottom of your hall with like, maybe a huge PA system and subwoofer, you could probably terrify and scar small children as they come to your house thinking there's something terrible going on. Which, the, the kind of... Uh, the prankster in me kind of falls quite appealing. I, I, it's not so much this, but this is from... Uh, I, I should give them some... Pro this is by Pro Sound Effects. You can get it on the App Store. It's free, but you get a $4.99 upgrade, which I guess increases the extra packs and give, you know gives you some more scary stuff. But what really I, I thought was kind of interesting about this is there's two questions. One is... What sort of sounds do you think you could... Uh, have you ever played one of those scary sound pranks? I mean, because we've all got the means to do this. Have you ever done something where you've given someone an unexpected sound and it's either it's completely changed the way they feel at that moment in time and you have done it sort of uh, in a clandestine fashion? Oh, what's that? Rich Rich has got... Ah, have you downloaded it? <laughs> You're ready, are you? Sure. Are you going to be there I'm with the, ready to the, go. the boiling oil on the parapet as well? <laughs> Now, this thing gives you one page worth of samples and constant reminders to ah, pay for well. the page version. I don't think I'd come to your house. Hey! Oh, Jesus. Uh, uh, cut! Cut! Everything's fine. Oh, no. Please Talk say it's like... I'm going to buy a new iPad. Please say it's all right, Rich. You've muted yourself, but at least the iPad's Okay. No, we're not hearing you, Rich. You've gone away. It must have dropped oh, on your sorry. mute button. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> kind of fun, but have you ever done nothing like this where you've actually created any sort of... Oh. Uh, no. Ah. A <laughs> <laughs> no. huge preamble. Excellent. Right, next. Um, I'm, I'm sure that Gaz must have some sort of audio-type prank to relate oh. to it. Loads. Oh, uh, but brilliant. I tell you what, what, was, uh, what was a brilliant thing for this kind of stuff was the Casio SK-1. And what we used to do is 
we used to all just like mo just gather around it and just go and go whoa, whoa like like moany sort of noises and then put it under people's bed and put a slipper on the keys so it would just uh, keep the key <laughs> and it would loop those moaning and just set the volume just really, really, really quiet. <laughs> So when people go to bed, you know, and they're just like they're lying there, it's just this little, little sound. This little... yeah, that's so... mean. <laughs> it's good fun. That... SD one. Brilliant. That's yeah. a, that's a very good. Well, didn't we have someone else? Who, uh, somebody told a story about they just used to sample a load of hums and buzzes and clicks and play them at sound check. So the sound engineer would be constantly running around trying to figure <laughs> out what the hell was going wrong. <laughs> that's mean. <laughs> that is that's mean, isn't mean. it? I uh, know, uh, uh, Robbie. I, I suspect with your yeah. massive uh, production capabilities and uh, a child of a certain age, there's probably some things that you could probably manage. Oh, there goes Rich again. Um. Uh, no, but why I, I do have quite a lot of satisfaction sometimes um, when my cat's in the studio and annoy me. I bring up a nice bank of dog noises and it <laughs> and suddenly get the dogs barking really loud and the cat's straight out of there. <laughs> <laughs> really loud, like sort of rock violet kind of dogs and the cat's just straight out. With, with heavy bottom end, yeah, that's... Rich is on a roll. I think Rich has discovered a brand new... Oh, man, that's... Oh, no, I don't like that. Dave, I suspect, oh, you, you've turned the lights down. Are you going all Halloween now? Are your face going to glow up like a pumpkin? Or has it just got dark? Oh, it's getting dark, isn't it? I forgot it's the clocks gone, have changed. Yeah, it's gone very dark outside my window. I can't believe I dropped this thing. Oh, dear. <laughs> I do know of somebody who will remain nameless, but it's not a million miles from here, who, used, who did something when he was on tour with a big prog band... Uh, which was put certain samples or trigger certain samples during the middle of solos of moo of cows mooing and stuff like that, but only through the monitors, so it would distract the said star turn. I think he got into quite a lot of trouble for it. Sounds like uh, but we all, everyone else, has found it a great story and amusing story. Uh, no, I haven't really done very much. Uh, in fact, it was interesting because I did that. Uh, Peter Gabriel, uh, it's called Sea Monsters movie, which was a big IMAX thing, wasn't it, with Richard Evans and, mm. in fact, David Rhodes, who Cass has worked with. Uh, and that was quite good because the brief was uh, Scare Kids. And I thought, well, I can do that, but I don't need any sounds to do that. <laughs> can I be in the film? Of, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It was just like, and that was really good fun because you had to draw, you had to kind of make it synth you had to the brief was to confuse the listener as to whether it was synthetic or organic right but in the process try and scare kids so that just left the scope wide open and it was really really good fun to do i haven't gone to any imax cinemas to see it but I'm really. I should do that at one point and see, you know, what was used and what wasn't used. It was good, really good fun. Oh, that sounds like fun. I suppose the. Uh, the, the sorry, Gaz, did you have another one? I just remembered another story. It's sort of connected, but uh, when I used to live in Montpellier in Bristol, it's like quite a party part of town, and this party had been going on all night, really, really loud. You know, so loud. You know, it was deafening in in my in my bedroom but you know by about three o'clock in the afternoon sunday afternoon it was just like it was still going on you know and i thought right enough's enough enough's enough but no night's sleep so i got the pa system out into the back garden and i put a vocal microphone through uh i did it through like a like a helicon effect drop taking the voice down like <laughs> and they were 
blasted it. I said, people in the party, this is the voice of the of Montpellier. It's time to go to bed. <laughs> the drugs have surely worn off by now. It's bedtime. And like the music went off. Everyone went hush and did it. Like big like voice of God. Really, really, really loud. <laughs> <laughs> and people were trying to climb up the wall and trying to peep over and uh but it, it was great. It stopped them. It stopped them. <laughs> Excellent. I'm like the same. I gave them till I gave them till three in the afternoon on the Sunday before before doing that though. That's very generous of you, I must say. <laughs> a great story. Great story. Uh, I, the the other part of this question was, it's really interesting how sound can be so terrifying as well. The notion that even the simplest sort of sinister you know, high string, whatever, any kind of low run, something can be so evocative. And it seems to be of all the senses, it's more terrifying. I think we're going to have a demonstration here. <laughs> oh, no, it didn't work out. That sound can, can have that so much of an effect because, I mean, you know, you can take just a night for, you know, uh, maybe a, a shot of the dark and then just change it with a tiny bit of audio and suddenly it becomes terrifying and sinister and really, really very different. It's quite impressive how yeah. that happens. I mean, are there many opportunities for doing that within music? I mean, no sound to picture, we would expect that because obviously you're supporting it. But just in terms of maybe production, <coughs> have you ever kind of tried to, I've, Robbie, like to make something that is genuinely quite sinister? We use low yeah. notes, but they don't seem to have the same effect. I um, I did a, I scored a movie with a friend of mine a couple of years ago and it was all really like intense it was about this person who was going into the whole slipping into a whole drug addiction and self-harming thing and the brief what i had to do we had to do all these sounds all the time that were just horrendous sort of almost like feedbacky kind of drones and things and honestly it did my head in after a month of that i was just like we were working at really low volumes by the end of it because I just couldn't bear it anymore. <laughs> it was like virtually inaudible going like that, listening, because it was just like all day, every day, it was like, right, this scene here, right, let's have another gargly, drony, whiny thing. And it was just like, it really was like torture. That's so, it. Um, yeah, I imagine people who score horror movies all the time, it must get pretty intense. Like I guess like <laughs> being a, a, a forensic, a forensic, um, detective on working on murder cases all the time. You know, it's just like that whole thing of just feeling brought down by mm. what you're doing. Yeah, I don't know. Rich, have you ever worked on any kind of uh, scary movie? So I know you've done quite a lot of films. Have you done any specifically sinister and unpleasant sort of stuff where you've had to really apply what you can to the to the role? The closest I got was uh, we did some score for an amusement park scene in Beverly Hills Cop 3 that didn't actually end up making it into the movie, but we did do something that was called the dinosaur ride and was supposed to be scary. And uh, I had a blast doing it. It was a lot of fun. Did you, did you add sound effects to that or was it mostly, was it all through the, the medium no, of music? It, it, typically in the movie business, it's sort of not the, that guy's business. Yeah, I suppose so, so much to add those kinds of Foley oriented effects because no, we were just involved basically in writing a piece of music that evoked that sort of, you know, scary yeah. dinosaur coming yeah, over the hill. I just found one of the sounds from that movie. Okay. I'm going to play we it. We called it rat, rat Feeder. I don't know why we called it that. 
having that running for like two minutes under a scene. Just did your head in. <laughs> oh, wow. That sounds like fun. Uh, Dave, have you, because uh, uh, you've done some soundtrack work, I mean, have you found any. Well, you, you've, you've already told us about that, uh, the monsters thing. I mean, is that. Did you find that you were, were taking sounds that were actually quite horrible? Or did, is it like the old adage where you kind of. Uh, when you're trying to do running water and it all just sounds like a toilet flushing, you have to find something that's not actually it to make it more sinister than it, than the reality of that sound would be. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It was things like, I mean, I, okay. A bit of, a bit of a secret. Things like bird calls, slow them down, use Melodyne to pitch and change form and stuff like that. Uh, I've watched a million years ago. I watched this thing about, you know, the exorcist, and how the Foley stuff was done on there. And it's things like creaking wallets and stuff like that. And that's when I, in fact, kind of Iris came out of all of this because what I was doing was then putting stuff into RX at the time, filtering it, you know, just taking selective kind of bands and then outputting that and then playing stuff within, uh, what was it, AXS24 really. And that's where the kind of idea of actually a synth with this kind of, you know, that works on spectrograms would have been really, really handy during that process because I was doing everything the very long-winded way. Ah, <laughs> okay, I see. Uh, it's funny, isn't it, when you see, because if you've ever done any Foley work, there are, you know, you get these volumes of sounds. I had something called the General 6000, which has, you know, Creaky Gate 1 to 10, Iron Gate, you know. And honestly, I now I'm really hypersensitive to those sort of sounds because, you know, quite often I'll be watching like, you know, TV drama or something and I'll hear this really obvious gate sound and I'll go, bloody hell, I know what that is. You know, it's like the ricochet, the ricochet is the big one, isn't it? That gun ricochet. It's even got a name. It's even got its own name. Ah, the the sound effect that is everywhere. Yeah. It's really funny because we not that long ago we released. uh, In fact, we weren't going to do it, but the Streetly guys came to us and they had the entire sound effects library for the Mellotron. There was an actual, you know, Mark II sound effects machine. And uh, we were kind of like, well, it's not really musical, but it's really bizarre. When I was listening to it, it got to certain, and certain sound, certain um, really just kind of ambient stuff, you know, in a bar, in a pub, in a shop, uh, action sequences, war films, would just immediately took me back to obviously the films that they were used in and even things like uh, Joe 90, you know, the beginning of the theme tune there. With the that, bubbles, <laughs> yeah, just, and they are all, it's all on there and it was just like, wow. oh man, we have to. So we released it and I was kind of like, well, you know, if we do kind of 10 copies, it'll be fun. And then I just started getting, we started getting these emails from various producers going, these are just perfect little bits of atmosphere to put into tracks, almost subliminally. But everybody I spoke to, particularly the Brits, you know, grew up on these kind of war movies and horror films and the Jerry Anderson stuff. I mean, and you can see that it was obviously used on the Jerry Anderson stuff for, you know, to be cost effective, as it were. They, and they must have used it a million times. And that ricochet gunshots on there, the bit where Captain Scarlet at the beginning gets shot with a machine gun and then fires back for, with his pistol and the ricochet, all of those things. So, yeah, I've, I, I love all this old stuff. I'm seeing if I can find the ricochet sound. It's interesting, though, isn't it? How, how are an audio imprint of something like a voice or a particular sound is so, it, it's so, uh, 
there's so much on so many levels we can recognize things that perhaps we didn't even realize it's like you can hear a voice you go god i know who that is and you can just somehow call it to mind or you know it's the bowie snare or whatever particularly with us where we might be auditioning lots of different sounds within a production how sensitive the ear is to be able to pick up repetition and those things even when you're down to you know because foley is very difficult unless you've actually got a foley stage you get you know footsteps on gravel one to seven and then it's a real skill to be able to sequence them in an order that makes them not sound like you're hearing them again and again and again you know and you have to do that i think we've seen that with uh there are certain game engines aren't they that sort of randomize the pitches and the transients and all of that sort of stuff it's really interesting how that 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 stuff can be so uh recognizable which is why we need sound design I'm very friendly with a sound designer for games stuff. He did a lot of the Lucas stuff and the EA stuff. In fact, I'll talk to him about coming on because the way he talks about how they have to kind of layer things and create things now and have all of these million random options is really cool. There you go. Ah. How things are changed. Oh, that's the one. Excellent. Maybe we could get a duet going on there. You know, we'll do the gunshot and Rich can throw up a scream. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, do I've got gunshot. one more sound here for you. Oh, okay, yeah. let's, hear, let's hear this one. This one was called The Madness, and this really was a horrible sound. Jesus Christ. How long a bed yeah, did you have to, so you did you have to work on the mix for that for long or was it just that was that one of the ones oh, you turned God. right right down? Yeah, and then it got really intense with like feedback. Oh, it's horrible. Honestly. I'm glad I, I couldn't do that job. I couldn't do it. It See, was I fun love, to do it once. I love hmm? that. I love taking those organic, you know, like animal sounds and growls yeah. and hers and then you know just kind of repitching those because you get that if you pick out the right frequencies, you you get that kind of saliva feel and it becomes really, really organic. <laughs> and you're like, whoa, I don't like this. This is uncomfortable. Sling it into 5.1 and have it coming from behind you and you will scare kids. Yeah, perhaps not. BT sold a story recently. I went to see his uh, orchestral thing, you know, the you know his reimagining of his stuff um, in Miami. And he said this story about he was at the beginning of the year at Lucas Sound doing something, having something mastered. And he met this guy in the cafe, and it turns out it was the guy who did all the original sound effects for the Star Wars movies. And he said to him, what are you doing here at the moment? He said, I'm working on the sounds for R2-D2. And he took him up to the room, and he, he showed him doing the sounds for the R2-D2. Oh, wow, that's and awesome. And he was awesome. doing it all on an ARP 2600. Yeah, so the story goes. I guess what would that be? Some that that that's a classic story, Rich. I think because quite a lot of the ARP synths were used in. Uh, there's the uh, Close Encounters of Third Kind as well. I think that those those were used. I don't know who those guys were, but do you want uh, to hear a re- really cool story about that? Okay, yeah, go on then. Yeah, twenty five hundred being used in Close Encounters. So they called ARP and said, "Would you, you know, would you rent us one?" And they did, and then they got a call a while later saying, no one's got a clue how to use this. Could you actually send somebody to use this, uh, you know, who can use this on, on location? Yeah, but obviously it's going to be costly. Yeah, 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 that's no problem. And, uh, yeah, they went and it was Philip Dodds from ARP who went and he was the guy who was on Close Encounters communicating with the spaceship at the end. 
And there's a bit about an invoice, you know, they, they kept sending invoices and I don't think anything ever got paid. And it was like, oh, you need to send it to the paymaster general at this location and that location. And of course, whenever these invoices arrived, the location had moved. So I don't think they ever got paid. Oh, <laughs> oh that's a shame. <laughs> that's a sad, that's sad, but, hmm. uh, but topical. Yeah, but it's become, you know, everyone knows the 2500. Yeah, I suppose so was on Close Encounters, it's become a kind of, you know, a legend in its own right. So, um, sorry, Rich. I'm pretty sure there was also a Yamaha SY synth in that movie there somewhere. There was, yeah. Good spotting, Rich. Can you well, name uh, the scene? <laughs> no. <laughs> okay, <laughs> that's, that's just going too far. But I suppose the thing is about electronic music, I mean, I guess with the advance of samples, prior to that, it would have had to be done with tape, it would have had to be done electronically. I mean, you know, there's the classic kind of, it's just the wet, farty sound from any kind of decent analogue synth with a whippy filter and an LFO, you know. I remember that story, I I've probably told it before, where uh, when I was talking to Adrian Utley from Portishead, and they were touring incessantly about the time of, you know, their big albums, and they would, what they would do is, you know, at Soundcheck, their, one of their pastimes would be to get the most convincing fart sound out of the synth you know on the PA and they could that would just give them something to kind of do on the day <laughs> which seems like fairly innocent pastime I suppose unless you're perhaps somewhere where one might have an upset stomach um in the world that might not be quite so much fun but <laughs> I don't know uh I'm uh right let's see is there anything else we've got oh I guess we're getting fairly close oh yes of course uh, this is uh, well this is quite big news because me and Gaz are going to see Beardy Man tomorrow hopefully so he's playing in Bath and uh, uh, no for oh, no other no other reason than I just wanted to play the vid and I have a feeling it might be this one I hope it is it might not be of course because well none of the vids seem to be playing so it's no that's not it it's this one that's right and this is uh, this is from 2013. It's just a sort of feature on him when he was doing more of the kind of just jamming and playing to kind of uh, dance music audiences. Let me just zip it through. And he looks like he's living the dream a little bit there, to be perfectly honest. Maybe he's been a... <laughs> and how this whole custom system came about. Anyway, I won't play too much of it, but we're going to go and see him tomorrow. And hopefully, fingers crossed, we might get a chat with him about his setup. I know, have you ever come across? I don't know whether, as he translates, he's like, he started off as a beatboxer, Rich, and now he just tours all over the place. And he's got this kind of setup where he's got these custom jailbroken iPads where he could just kind of pretty much, now his shtick is, or this particular tour, what he does is the audience just throw words at him and he makes an album in the hour up on the spot from titles, song titles that people give him from the audience and that's basically it and it's quite remarkable to see is that fluent in the technology have you come across him before no no i haven't ah well that's a shame if you get a chance check out some of the videos because i think I, I think maybe it's a sort of europe and uk thing i, I know robbie you've been to, you, uh, to, has he featured at any of the festivals where you've been doing gigs with Howard? Oh, I've, I've seen him before wasn't he originally from brighton he may well have been yeah yeah i've i've, I've seen him before yeah he's 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 he's, he's kind of spearheaded all that looping you know using loopers and all that stuff i imagine that's going to be a great gig i'm jealous there might be tickets you never know mm. they were they hadn't I'm sold out when i checked out see if i can drag simon out to come to the gig as well yeah i don't know mm. uh, dave you you've seen have you seen his stuff before he crops yeah, up he, used, he did demos at nam for a while didn't he yeah, yeah that's right able. did he really oh, yeah, he did. He did yeah, some yeah. Of the... damn i yeah. missed it i obviously was, wasn't paying uh, attention that was the more beatboxy stuff, uh, but I saw the, I saw a video with him doing this stuff where the audience, uh, 
dude, genius, eh? Yeah, interesting. I know you're as excited as I am, Gaz. I think it's going to be mm. a, a good day. Yeah, really excited. I've been a fan for a long time. I mean, he's so he's his setup is called the Beardy Tron, and I think he might be on Mark Three now. And his plan is, I think, has always been to at some point make a commercial product out of his Beardy Tron system because he spent such you know many iterations. I think he works with a programmer or maybe two programmers who. Um, you know, yeah, he does. He uses uh, what's that uh, um, effects real time? Objective C. No, the. Oh, eff- sorry. I forget. It's the real time effects. That- sorry. Do you use maths? No, it's not. It's all in the. Um- C sound. No. Oh, uh, t- uh, no t- tornado. 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 That's it. Sugar tornado. bites. Oh, sugar bites. Tornado. Yeah. Really- as you say, he's so fluent, and he, and, and he's got such a great sense of humour. Um, you know. It's it's he's ast- he's astonishing. I think, um, but to be able to be that technically adept and also entertaining and you know the whole fast on his is, feet, yeah, is is astonishing, really. So, um, yeah, hopefully uh, tomorrow is going to be great. Yeah, I look know. forward to it. Where is he playing in Bath? He's playing at a place called Comedia, which is a sort of old theatre, so it's a, it should be a reasonable capacity. Um, I try down there. Let, well, while we've, we've still got a little bit of time, this is another uh, one of these kind of Kickstarter type things. And this is uh, called Motus or Motus. This is uh, a, a kind of thing you put in your hand and it. Motion to sound, movements to music, gestures to instruments. Motus, wireless musical instrument. Who wouldn't want to do that in a cave, given the chance? It's an interesting concept, isn't it? Sort of being doing this. I, I mean, where this where this thing looks like it's really going to stand. They, they talk about it a bit later on. Is you have it in the hands of dancers who then move and create the music that they're dancing to at the time, which is a really interesting way round of doing things. I mean, I'm not sure how many applications this has in the music world. I know, Robbie, you're an adopter of interesting controllers, but perhaps this is a bit too far for you even. Can I just highlight one thing about this, which is the only thing, which is the one thing, unfortunately, that's stuck in my mind. In the write-up, it says, um, you can play instruments like a trumpet, like 80 synthesizers from David Hasselhoff songs. Honestly. That's a random. That's that's I pretty mean, that's random. Such a random thing to say, isn't it? That um, really is. But, sorry, I can get past it. I mean, I guess it's a little bit similar, isn't it? It's one of those things that it'll be great for dancers, expressive, you know, arts like that. Is isn't it a bit like what we've got with the thing that I bought, which I've used twice? I think Gaz's got one. What's yes, it called? I've forgotten. Yeah, I've got one as well. <laughs> that I got... thing, that that little aluminium Leap. thing. Leap. Leap. Leap pad. You know, it's one of those things you think, yeah, it'd be great. I could really find a use for that. And then you get it and you just go, oh, life's too short. I've got to get on with my job here. Sorry, leap motion. For me, anyway. Leap motion. Well, I mean, I, there will be someone who'll find a creative use for it. I mean, I, I've bought, I've just, I'm waiting for that emoji. In, you know, the emojis, the Kickstarter, the thing that you put on a, like a mic. 
you, you can stick it on any surface and then you can play that surface. Like ah, yes, I remember that, yeah. Yeah, I've got one of those coming and I've seen some really interesting uses for that and I can, I can kind of see myself using that, particularly working with a drummer, of finding some interesting things to do. But, yeah, this is yeah. one of those ones where I'm not sure I would find a use myself. Hmm. Gaz? I, I, I want one, I think. I think it's really cool. <laughs> what I'm interested in... Is, Why am I surprised? <laughs> Two. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I wonder how how much latency is there. I wonder if you could use it as a virtual percussion, oh, know, like a shaker. That's virtual, an interesting yeah, idea. Yeah, you know. Um, but you know, if just how much performance capability is in it, you know, because I have a feeling it'd be quite laggy. So it's fine for you know for certain things, but for sort of rhythmically precise stuff that's I, a really I, good idea about the shaker and percussion instruments that's a great idea just, you know because what i think is quite interesting about this and and like the leap it's the fact that you're actually holding something so 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 that gives you that you know you've got that way that you can interact when you're just doing it with thin air it's i don't know it's almost like they do say like a shaker in their write-up ah okay like a shaker from a David Hasselhoff record, perhaps. It says like a shaker, then it says about the David Hasselhoff 80s. Oh, I didn't sound. spot that. That's a cracker. I know, Rich, I'm, I'm suspecting... Uh, that, that's interesting what Gaz was saying, is if they could get this sort of technology to be so late, that it, it could become a trigger for things like shakers, tambourines, maracas. That, that actually sounds like it could have a, a, a much more applicable musical use. I mean, if you don't have to happen to have... Well, you still have to be able to play those things properly, but see a use... Yeah, well, as with most things, I look forward to the day somebody blows me away with one of those. Um, Surely. Seriously. Yeah. I I really look forward to that. I don't know if it'll happen, but there you go. This is the thing. I look forward to seeing Gaz performing with one. Yeah. Yeah, okay. I know, Dave. Let's do it. Blow me away. Dave, you're a a drummer. You're a drummer. Uh, This isn't really Yeah. I was more interested in the video, really. Because that guitar one, I thought the one that I saw on Kickstarter was just the right side of the hipster nonsense. This was just the wrong side of it. And I was thinking, if you shot that in my town, it would be about five minutes before somebody came along and gave them a good kick in, standing around (laughs) doing that. It is very interesting what you say about the video, because, I mean, there are parts of that video which are, again, actually pretty reasonable you know they 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 have they have all the ingredients you'd expect but when you see i mean i've got the uh the kickstarter here this is very le- much less obviously captured the imagination i mean i suspect part, this is part of the video that i wanted to show this is li- this is the bit that i like that and you'd think that would be enough to kind of get the backing up a little bit more but it's interesting that that it's not you know and and yet this is even more accessible than guitar stuff i mean but yeah it hasn't had the same level of success it's an interesting dynamic how that works and it's exactly the same model so yeah i take yeah. it the, the cave thing was cool i mean you know like because that was at the beginning wasn't it and it yeah. was like oh yeah yeah oh, yeah i'd like to stand in a cave and get those kind of natural sounds and acoustics coming off of there as long as you didn't have to swim there system I was, through, yeah. through an underground river perhaps yeah with your laptop and then it was the, just the guy kind of you know on the hill in look like san francisco and it's yeah. just like dude round here you'd last about 30 seconds just wait for a tram to come over and run him over <laughs> it's interesting I, I but again you know yeah. I, 
I think for the niche, you know, for the dancer, yeah. for that side, it could really have yeah. a lot of... But it, there seems to be, isn't it, Rich, there's this kind of idea that we need something else in our lives. You know, everybody, there's a lot of striving for whatever it is that we haven't got that we don't know what it is yet, isn't there? There seems to be this kind of desire to have a different human interface with the way that we uh, interact with various things. I wonder, do you think people are just getting a bit bored of even, you know, touchscreens and just want, you know, something even more physical that they can interact with? Um, well, the cynical side of me says it's a lot easier when you don't actually have to produce a tone yourself. Yeah. So, for example, when you're playing, when Gaz is playing the bass, he's touching the vibration, he's creating the vibration. You become part, your body becomes part of that vibration. The things that interest me more and more these days are getting closer to the actual vibration. And the things that these things inspire and the things that seem to be going on around me in the synthesis world are sort of the opposite of that. And I recognize that and I don't have an opinion or a judgment about it. But um, personally, I'm more interested in things that vibrate. Yeah, no, I, I think that's a very, uh, that's, that's actually a good point. I mean, and in the same way that I'm finding myself more and more drawn to simple instruments that just have a musicality to them rather than complicated instruments that maybe have a high capability but require, you know, another level of stuff in between you and getting at the notes it can make and the sounds it can make. So maybe that's what, the. the what, 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 what should you should do, though, it'd make that, it that in a is... swallowable, in a swallow, a swallowable format. <laughs> and then you know and then obviously it has to be swallowable and and dechargeable or biodegradable <laughs> you could just yeah. have a suppository yeah. couldn't you <laughs> hey <laughs> wait a minute wait a minute sonic. i'm gonna write sonic suppository down <laughs> I'm not sure what I'm going to use for the uh, poster image for that show. I don't know if I ever. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, what's happened? I've just started playing the instrument or him again. Robbie, you were Can just, I just uh... say one thing. I was going to say, I got the, I got the rise, the little one. Yeah. And I've actually, I'm actually love this more than the big one, just uh, because wow. of all the extra functionality. I'm, I, I'm considering whether I'm just going to keep the little one now. Uh, you know, I found myself doing so much more with this than the big one. Uh, you know what? I, when I saw it, I felt the same way because those um, those sort of LEDs at the top there, those strips, allow, these... allow you to uh, dial in and out the sensitivity of the XY and those other pressure things. So you can really kind of make it particularly sensitive dynamically, which I think is quite an, an important. I, I, it's like I'm, I'm always thinking like, oh, I wish they would just be. And I like the fact that the keys aren't small, but they're not big. They're kind of an in-between size. And it's just, just, it just makes, and the fact that they've flattened off the tops, it actually makes it actually an easier system to play. Right. So I'm kind of thinking, oh, I wish they'd just done, I, I suspect they may bring out a five octave version of this with the controls. Right. That would be the ideal thing. But I, yeah, I'm thinking at this stage, oh, I, I really rather like this more than the, the bigger one. So um, this is an example of technology coming down to a more accessible level where I actually think it's actually better for, for that oh. fact. Yeah. So, yeah. I, I thoroughly be... recommend it. Yeah, well, I was because I, I, I was expecting that to see to start seeing reviews of these things, but they don't seem to have gone out to media. They're just going to artists, which is fine, I guess, if, if you're a backer or a whatever, because I think it was pre-order, wasn't it? 
but I would like to get my hands on one and try one out, definitely. Uh, out of interest, was that, is that very heavy? Because I know it's got the aluminium yeah, body. It's, it's, it's solid, more solid metal. Right. I mean, it's built, it's built to exactly the same quality as the, um, the big ones. I mean, it's really nice. You know, I think it's what I, I really personally think it's worth the money. Are you using it with uh, wired USB or are you going for the wireless stuff? Yeah, because I'm only on I'm only on uh, 10.9 on my Mac. Yeah. And I don't think you can use the Bluetooth unless you go to El Capitan. Is it? El Capitan, I'm not going there. The one that doesn't work, just, right? Yeah, I'm not going there. So, no, it just plugged it straight in. The only slightly weird thing was is there's the, the software equator. There's a separate version for, ah. for the Rise controller. Oh. So sessions I had with the old equator for the other version, I have to keep swapping out the audio unit because it doesn't recognise which is which. Oh, but they're going to amalgamate it into one version, ah. which makes me think that probably there'll be another generation of controllers perhaps bigger versions with these controls on. Yeah, right. okay. But anyway, it's great. Two oh. octaves, great. It's a lovely little size. I was just going to come to you, Rich, actually, because I know how you are such an eager earlier adopter of this uh, latest technology. You know, El, Ca- El Capitan, the latest uh, OSX, has been having some teething. Have you been running it and sort of finding, have you found any issues that you that you can share with sort of audio and compatibility? Not regarding audio and compatibility because, yes, I'm unmuted, uh, because I don't, run anything like that in it but running it on its own and forgetting about all of that for the moment um it seems to substantially run great and uh actually in my brief time testing logic x pro x in it it seemed to run that just fine too i couldn't i didn't try real hard to break it but it didn't just break under normal let's put up some sounds and play around with them kind of activity so uh I wouldn't endorse anybody using existing DAW software that hasn't specifically said we support it. I wouldn't endorse anybody going up to there for that purpose. I run it on a separate drive. I don't run it on my main DAW drives. I don't try to use things that aren't authorized to work on it in it. And for the most part, it works great. There are little things, and that's why I'm, you know, that's why I submit bug reports. Ah, okay. Is it true that they've dropped support for FireWire uh, yeah. in El Capitan? Audio file. Well, audio. I'm looking at all my drives. Oh. <laughs> I mean, no, no, no. so the audio. Uh, audio FireWire, right? Yeah. Yeah. Is that, is that true? It won't work. Yeah, it's not to say it won't work. It's just that there's no uh, development from this right. moment onwards, as I understand it. Uh, yeah, yeah, that was well, kind that's of... a real major. That's a major thing, which is like really worrying, isn't it? You know, every I'm time sure they do something that's worrying. I'm not sure I understand the concern. In other words, I'm looking at a long chain of FireWire drives right now on my desktop, running El Capitan, and uh, I can call up audio from them and play it. Ah, uh, no, I think it's more to do with audio FireWire audio <laughs> interfaces. Yeah. So th- uh, that side of it. Yeah. Uh, well, no, uh, hang on a second now. I am connected right now. What you're listening to, we're soaking in it, as they say in the old commercial. Um, I'm connected to an interface that's connected via FireWire to my iMac that's running El Capitan. What you're listening to is traveling up a FireWire cable. Ah, okay. I guess it depends if there's any driver incompatibilities. You're not going to get, you know, fixes for it or whatever if it requires an OS. I just level. read a I, I just read a Motu page in which they were uh, 
offering their users a beta version of a USB driver, but they said very specifically in that uh, offer that people who are connected via FireWire should be having no problems. And ah. in fact, I'm not. Oh, well, that's interesting. Does that, does that, yeah, does that include things forward. that you might connect like with a Thunderbolt to FireWire adapter? Because all our live stuff is with the, with the ultralights, which use FireWire, but we use them with the Thunderbolt adapter. Mm. I I'm, I'm, don't recall whether that's how I, I'd have to turn the computer that's this camera around to figure that out. <laughs> oh, no, no, I don't no recall how I how I connected it physically. Ah, it's right. possible it's going through a fire uh, a Thunderbolt adapter. Ah, okay. Because uh, I have other FireWire devices connected to this thing as well. Like I said, and I don't think I have this thing as part of that chain. Right, got you, Dave. You 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 said you were saying it's going forward, right? Yeah. Yeah. So if there are issues, I don't think they're going to be addressed because that whole thing's just been frozen in time, as it were. It was a, it was a big decision behind us moving to Thunderbolt. Mm, I can imagine. Well, on that bombshell, uh, or not, um, I think that's probably <laughs> probably time to uh, call, it a, call it a day. I want to say thank you very much to everybody for joining us. Uh, before we go, just a quick reminder of the Isotope competition. Uh, if you want to enter to win a copy of... Uh, BT's Break Tweaker, a hashtag Beat Factory, and Break Tweaker to at Sonic State and at Isotope Inc. will enter you into the competition. Also want to say thank you very much to everybody in the chat room. Uh, very much appreciated that you have been in there hanging in. And also to all of our guests as well, which we will uh, just go around and say goodbye to everybody. Robbie, thank you very much and say uh, thank you to our to your client. We should get a credit on the album for, uh, for I don't know, for nothing. Or you should, uh, maybe you, he should get a credit in our album, probably more the other way around, isn't it? Not that we've got one. But say, but thank you very much for joining us, Robbie. It's been a pleasure. Maybe we see you tomorrow if you can get away. Maybe. Uh, and of course, uh, Mr. Gaz Williams there in his darkening garret. Yes. Uh, can you still hear me okay? I can. Oh, cool. Uh, yeah. So, looking forward to Beardy Man tomorrow. Uh, thanks ever so much. It's been lots of fun on the show no problem at all uh thank you and also mr rich hilton i know there's been some funny type we're in between time zones so it's been messing with the uh, with the lineup for our international guests thank you very much for joining us as well i hope you have a productive day in the studio waxing hotties as we like to say back here in thank the you. uk thank you very much I've, it's always great and of course uh mr dave spears in his synth cave too thank you very much for joining us too that was great fun Thank you. I'm gonna I'm gonna hook this up to the PA like Gaz, and when we get the trick or treaters, I'm just gonna press this button. I will kill you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a, what a pleasant thought. Fun for all the family. Yeah, fun for all the family. Fun and fear. The sort of combining the two. Right, that's it. And uh, of course, we'll be getting a bit of uh, motivation. Uh, circuit review action from Gaz coming up in the naughty picture but in the meantime I'm going to filter it out and fade to black at the same time so thanks for watching see you next time you guys <laughs> ah!
Oh, there we go, the Halloween jam. That might make it to the outtakes. <laughs> <laughs>